I'm Brittany Wilson. I'm Nia Wasink, and you're listening to The The Nonprofit Nonprofit Reframe. Because we know that nonprofits and their staff are undervalued, under-resourced, and unrelenting. Welcome back to The Nonprofit Reframe. Happy Monday, folks. We are recording this on Monday, June 28th, the last Monday of June, to be released as our first July episode. Woohoo! July 2021. Here we are. This will actually be released on uh, the observed day of Independence Day, July 5th. So happy observed day of July 4th <laughs> on July 5th to everybody. <laughs> Perfect. That That's so smooth. <laughs> you know, before we begin, I do also want to give a shout out to my husband who will never hear this because he doesn't listen, mm-hmm. um, but it's the thought that counts. It's the yeah. intention. And tomorrow is his birthday. Aw, happy yes. birthday to Brittany's husband. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> we did celebrate over the weekend, though, and you came over as well. I did. It was lovely being out with people. People I don't know. So that's a new post-COVID experience. Right? <laughs> There's, uh, there was few opportunities to meet new people during the pandemic. So, mm-hmm. Well, I was talking to one of your friends who um, is now my friend because I really enjoyed her. Uh, <laughs> but we were talking about how your older daughter uh, is very selective in which adults she likes. Yes. And so when I walked in on Saturday and kind of peeked my head into the room where all the kids were and she ran up and gave me a hug, (gasps) I felt like I had arrived. You made it. It's official. And I'll tell you what, it takes a while to get in, but once you're in, you're in. (laughs) So welcome. Thank you. It really was a big honor for me. (laughs) Oh, that's so sweet. That makes my heart smile. Um, yeah, and what a turn of events with weather here in Colorado. I would like to acknowledge the Pacific Northwest that is experiencing triple digit numbers for the first time in ever. I don't know. Well, I mean, just the wild weather everywhere. So you've got the Pacific Northwest that's melting because their infrastructure isn't meant to handle these temperatures. Portland just had record heats. Um, right. But then I was seeing in Detroit where they've got freeways flooding because they're not used to this kind of wetness. Arizona's on freaking fire, which, I mean, always happens. But it's a little early. It's June. So, you know, global warming isn't real. (laughs) Well, so I hope whatever you are doing today, listeners, um, I hope that you have the day off if possible, and that you're spending it either staying dry, keeping cool, or able to get some fresh, non-smoke-filled air. That, those sound lovely. Um, But shouldn't you sprinkle a little Americana on there? Isn't that your thing? I know this is going to seem odd. I just don't think Americana equals patriotism necessarily. But, but isn't 4th of July, like, the day that you can, like, go all in on baseball and apple pie? Oh, well, that's for sure. I'm really hoping that y'all are making some homemade ice cream and <laughs> maybe playing some lawn darts or Aren't those something. illegal? Oh, I don't know. I'm pretty sure they are. <laughs> well, some sort of 
Okay, cornhole. Okay. Okay. Ba- I'll take that. Bags, if you're from Minnesota, as my friend says, bags. Um and yes, definitely some apple pie and then fireworks. I do I love me some fireworks because of course I love all things Americana, but I will tell you, we live right across the street from a public park. So we have been getting nightly fireworks shows for like two weeks now. Oh, yeah. And I'm getting a little, a little sick of it. I'd rather just combine them and do them all at once and have one big show than like 10 to 15 going off every night for a month. Well, I don't know if you had this experience last night, but I, I was similarly getting frustrated by all of the fireworks and then the rain came in mm. and it shut it all down and it was like shut right out when i needed it to i was so thrilled <laughs> it's true we have been getting a lot of rain and cooler temperatures and it's been nice particularly for those of us who don't have air conditioning yeah oh absolutely nature's nature's air conditioning that's what i needed <laughs> It was funny, though, on uh, Twitter this week, somebody was talking about the weather in Portland. Uh, They had to, like, shut down the streetcar because the wiring was literally melting. Like, it was not meant to withstand this heat. Um, I think prior to this weekend, the hottest it had ever been was 107, and they hit 115. 115? Yeah. But then these people from Europe were chiming in and being like, why – why does everybody in America need AC? Like, I don't understand. Our houses in Europe don't. And we have, you know, really similar weather. And folks were explaining how, like, our houses, uh, especially in those kind of areas, are meant to retain heat, right? right? Like, to get through Insulated. the cold winters. But they don't – they do the same thing in the summer. And so inside will actually be hotter than it is outside. Like, mm-hmm. we just didn't – expect climate change to have this when these houses were built in the 60s and 70s so true so true well i mean i've noticed that here we've talked about it before but even living in colorado over the last 12 years i mean it just seems like every summer it gets hotter and hotter yeah oh for sure which is kind of actually um a perfect segue into today's topic give it to me well, you know who our our most favorite philanthropist is, especially in climate change. Jeffrey Bezos. Jeffrey Bezos. Jeffrey Bezos. What was that? <laughs> uh, that was Bo Burnham, um, and I feel like that was also Nia's joke of the day because I don't think I can ever top that. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to have to think about it. The girls told me a joke the other day, and I was like, this would be a perfect Nia's joke of the day. (laughs) I I will think about it, and then I'll tell you. Great. So, yeah, today we're talking about Amazon and Jeff Bezos uh, and their philanthropy. (laughs) Their... Was that laugh because of their extensive philanthropy? Yeah, it leaves a lot to be desired, Mm -hmm. philanthropy. Yes. You know, we we spend a lot of time on this podcast shitting on Amazon Smile and my buddy Jeff. And so we felt like it was time for a deep dive. Like, let's really explain our loathing of their philanthropy. Why we disdain it so much. Exactly. So uh, let's start at the very beginning. Do you remember Amazon in the early days, like late 90s, early 2000s? 
I don't know if I do. I feel like I've lost all all memory of how it even started. It's just, I just remember, was it just books? Yeah, that's what I knew them as. So okay. I was in college during that period of time. And, you know, anybody who went to college, textbooks are stupidly expensive. Dumb expensive. And, and so it was always like you would check Amazon and you would check eBay to see if you could get it cheaper. Um, and at that time, actually, eBay was a much larger company than Amazon. I think uh, up until like 05 to 2010, actually, eBay was still bigger. So, you know, they, they had these modest starts. Um, and even in the early days, you would hear some of the big book retailers talk about their um, online competitor, yes. meaning Amazon. Yes. Um, but it was still like, it kind of like that stepchild thing. Like, we're, we're not actually going to worry about them. Yeah, they're a little annoying, but, you know, just just don't worry about Amazon. We're Barnes & Noble. We, we got our shit. Hey, we got Starbucks everywhere. Yeah. We, right. we don't need to worry about that. And now uh, – did you know that Amazon is the second largest employer in the United States? Doesn't surprise me at all. Who's number one, though? The U.S. federal government. <laughs> Amazon's coming for you, government. <laughs> um, full disclosure. And I, I feel like this legitimizes us as journalists. You're um, a Prime member? I am a Prime member. Absolutely. <laughs> is that what your disclosure yes. is going to be? <laughs> yes. I'm a Prime member. I participated in Prime Day last week. I got a new pair of athletic shorts and headphones. But, you know, I, I can still criticize the company that gets me shit cheap and fast. Absolutely. I am too. So that's my disclosure. And um, a little part of me dies every time I order from Amazon, but I still do it because the convenience of it. I'm like, what? I can get it here tomorrow and I don't like one click. Boom. You know, it's funny. I was listening to this podcast. And by the way, folks, there are going to be a ton of references in the show notes for this. I, I've done a good bit of research. And so you're going to want to check those out. But one of the ones I really checked out was um, this podcast called Land of the Giants. Their entire first season, which was released in 2019, is about Amazon. So tons of great information. But um, some of it's actually a little outdated because it's all pre-pandemic. Like, I would love for them to do an update. But anyway, um, one of the things they really talked about was that when Amazon was really spreading its wings, when it was trying to get into every household, when it was trying to become so so necessary, um, they they really had some organizational culture around customer service. But their whole focus was really on finding new and innovative ways for customers to integrate with them. And then when they they launched Prime, it was about how do we become so essential that people can't quit us? Mm, and so if you remember, you. Prime started much cheaper and it keeps creeping up, but they also keep adding services. So originally Prime was like two-day shipping. You're like, okay, cool. I love that. I love free shipping. I'm in. Oh, now we have video streaming services. Oh, now we even have our own content. Like, I'm not giving up Mrs. Maisel. I fucking love that show. Yeah. And then they add Whole Foods. Like, part of their whole model is to create services that make it so difficult for us to untangle our lives from their company. And then they added drones. They add drones. They add all of our smart devices, right? Like and all these things that are integral now. 
Well, and it's so funny too, because I clearly am not meant to be a gajillionaire because each time they add something, I'm like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And then it ends up being... <laughs> like, I know I've said this before, and this isn't Amazon, but I remember when Redbox happened, and I was like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like, why would I want to get a movie while I'm here getting McDonald's or something? Mm-hmm. And then it just becomes part of your everyday existence. And exactly. so I remember that too. When Amazon took over Whole Foods, I was like, that's the dumbest thing ever. And then they're like, they have Amazon lockers there. And mm-hmm. you can like, that's so dumb. And clearly, I am very short-sighted. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, they, they've become this massive company. Behemoth. Um, behemoth. That is a great way to talk talk about it um and with any large company there are always going to be um critiques and some that are very founded so i want to start on the business side so not only do they have all of those very obvious like customer facing programs and services um they also have b2b kind of stuff like aws you familiar with aws um, I feel like I see the logo in my head, but I'm not sure what it stands for. You're you're exactly right. You probably do. That's Amazon Web Services. And so a lot of it is just cloud storage that companies can buy. Um, anytime a company is expanding their software, et cetera, they're probably buying more AWS storage. It is the largest web storage, as far as I know, in the world. Okay. So, uh, which also means, though, that when they have issues, like a ton of sites go down at once, which we've also experienced. Yep. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's like they, they're not just about retail. They're about all of these different things. And then the way that they do retail is both in providing um, this marketplace, right? Small businesses can go on and sell their stuff. So it creates this, um, this interface where... Amazon's bringing the customers to these businesses. You know, I don't need every single one reaching out to me. Like the company that made my new athletic shorts, I'd never heard of before. Right. I've never been marketed by them, but they came up in my search results. They had a Prime Day deal. I bought them. So there's that. But then Amazon makes its own products. Yep. And this is another one of the big critiques is that they have so much information. Every time you buy... an item they're realizing okay so people are more interested in this thing we should make this thing we should make this thing in direct competition with all of the sellers on marketplace we should do it at a cheaper rate or at a better rate or we know people really want it in this color or that color so they have access to all this data that most businesses don't to create exactly the products we need at a price that undercuts their competition Yep. So a lot of antitrust concerns. Um, I'm sure um, when you look at like the politicians they donate to, they're not donating to Elizabeth Warren. (laughs) And of course, especially as we've seen um, so many more tech companies go in front of Congress with these antitrust concerns, Amazon is like waiting for that shoe to drop. Right. Because they're doing all the things. And then there's the stuff like the warehouse workers. And right. how they're treated or not. You know, yep. we've had deaths on the job. Um, lots and lots of publicity about people like 
having to pee in bottles because they can't take breaks. Gross. Yeah, it's really awful stuff. Um, and then there's the climate impact. Right. So you increase, or sorry, you reduce the shipping time that increases the climate impact, right? You're losing all of those scaled options that actually reduce climate impact. So we started this episode talking about climate change and the negative impacts around the country. And then we admitted that we are prime members. Mm -hmm. And so basically admitted that we are contributing to that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Okay. Just making sure I understand my role in all of this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, we, we are definitely part of the problem. I will say, and this is not like a holier-than-thou statement, but I think in the last year, I've just become more aware of Amazon's role and mm-hmm. tried to lessen their role in my life. Like really said, do I need this in two days? If not, where else can I find it? Even yeah. if it's like Target shipping, because quite frankly, I just, Target's a better company. Yeah. They treat their people better. Um can I go to Costco? Costco is a better company. So it's not even just like getting out of big box stores, but what big corporations are treating their employees better, have better human rights stances, so I can still get my stuff inexpensively, um, and I still use Amazon sometimes. Yeah. I mean, they're essentially, I'm saying their tactics worked on me. <laughs> they're good. They're yeah. good at what they do. Totally. Totally. So anyway, all of these concerns and complaints, um, there was a climate action um, that was organized by Amazon employees where they came to the company and said, we need you to make some changes. Amazon launched their climate pledge with like carbon neutrality um, commitments by 2040, yada, yada. So that's... That's like the context that we want to put their philanthropy in. Mm-hmm. Bringing it all back to nonprofits, philanthropy. So um, are you familiar with Amazon's primary donation model? Would that be Amazon Smile? Yes, it would. Yes, it would. Yay! Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> so Brittany, just tell us a little bit about your experience with Amazon Smile. My experience is that every single board member seems to know about it and wants to make sure <laughs> and wants to make sure that we are taking full advantage of it um, at whatever organization I am a part of. Yes. Um, so for those of you who have maybe not bought into Amazon and don't know what Amazon Smile is, quick recap of what that that system is essentially for anybody with an Amazon account, Prime or otherwise, you can go in and select a nonprofit of your choice. And if certain purchasing requirements are met, Amazon will donate 0.5% of your total purchase to that nonprofit. Of qualifying purchases, right? Qualifying purchases and purchases done the right way. What's the right way mean? Okay, so this is one of my chief obvious public complaints of Amazon Smile. So um, they've alleviated one of them in the last year or so. But for the longest time, the only way to have your purchases qualified for Amazon Smile was to start your Amazon search by going to smile.amazon.com. If you went to just amazon.com, even if you had your charity registered, it didn't fucking matter. They didn't get any money. 
So they add in that extra barrier. And up until about a year ago, any purchases made through the app didn't qualify at all, which is ridiculous. Like I do all of my Amazon purchasing via the app. What? Yeah. What I used to do is I would like load everything into my cart, go to a computer, go to smile.amazon.com to like finish out the transaction just so my nonprofit could get their $2 per quarter from me. Which is smart if you're going to do it. That's a smart way to do it. Doesn't but nobody's going to do that. But nobody's going to do that. And exactly what you're saying, I, I again, naively at the beginning did not realize that it did not pertain to every single item that you purchased. I just assumed, I knew that you had to go to smile.amazon.com. I knew that the nonprofit had to be registered within the program. And then I just assumed that if you did that, any purchases that you made Mm -hmm. would go to the nonprofit. Yeah. So this is what happens. I have such a great story. Um, (laughs) So they are so good at what they do and they're so good at advertising, right? And they're Mm -hmm. so good at Amazon Smile. Oh, my gosh. And they don't say the little teeny tiny type that gives the disclaimer about what's eligible and what's not eligible. And so everybody hears it and very well-intentioned and think it's free money. It's free money. We're all we're all shopping on Amazon anyways, especially around, you know, Black Friday and before Christmas and Cyber Monday. And you make sure that all of our supporters know that they should do this and, you know, have your link and your signature and so that people can go there and blah, blah, blah. And they don't realize that it's, it's like zero money. So I was recently working for this organization and had a lot of people that were asking us, you know, oh, don't forget, does, do you know about Amazon Smile? Have you told people? Have you put it in the newsletter? Did you whatever? It took us like three months to get access to it, first of all, because like what happens at so many nonprofits, somebody set it up eons ago and then left the organization Mm-hmm. And then to be able to get in touch with somebody there and say, like, that person left and we need to access to our account was a thousand million hoops to jump through. Mm-hmm. We finally get um, access to it because we have been bugged for so long by people who are like, are we doing this? Are we doing this? Are we doing this? That we finally looked and... It said that we had 63 people that had used our account. Oh, wow. 63. Sounded good, right? Mm -hmm. I think this is like since forever. Yeah. Right? And that our cumulative total of 63 people using our Amazon Smile account was (laughs) (laughs) $116.44. Oh, my God. I love it. Is that great? I have it right here. I should post it. Well, it's funny because on the donor side, you get um, a quarterly notice as well. It's like this, hey, good job. Because of the the work you did to choose your nonprofit, they received $48 this quarter. But that's not from your donations. That's all of them. All of them. Right, right, right. Again, they're like so good at... at Throwing numbers out, but not really clarifying what the numbers represent. Exactly. So this is was, they told us we had 97 purchases 
in one month. 97 purchases. That sounds like a lot. That sounds like a lot. 15 in the last seven days alone. Wow. And yet still, our cumulative total was 116.44. Mm-hmm. Pennies. Yes. Especially for a company that has profits in the billions every year. Billions. That's just profits. That's like not gross revenue. That's profits. And here's my problem with it, and we've talked about it before. Everybody says, well, at least it's $100. That's $100 of quote-unquote free money. But the thing is, is that our supporters only have so much bandwidth for attention, right? And I guarantee your nonprofit that you work for has a thousand different things that are going on that you want everybody to know about, right? Mm -hmm. Your upcoming gala, this program, these, you know, whatever grants funding you just got. I don't know. what All, all these things that you want to communicate, your impact to your supporters. But now we've got one more thing to try to tell people about with Amazon Smile. Mm-hmm. And that takes away an opportunity. So promoting Amazon takes away an opportunity to communicate something that's actually meaningful with your organization. Exactly. And what's happening for Amazon on the flip side, right? Like, why are they wanting to be so wonderfully philanthropic? Well, because now they have thousands of nonprofits saying, hey, do this through Amazon and they'll give us money because they're such a great company. So they're getting all of this free, both publicity and positive PR through this program. Well, and it does exactly to your point earlier of like, where you said, now I'll consider if I can get it from Target because Target's a better co- company. But if I'm a, you know, just a lay person who doesn't know the difference, I'm saying, well, no, I'm going to, I'm going to order through Amazon because then my favorite nonprofit gets money. Exactly. Yep. Totally. So Amazon Smile has been in existence since 2013. This okay. will be its eighth year. In the first seven years of operations, how much do you think it actually donated? One billion dollars. That would be appropriate, right? At least, at least a billion. Right. If they're profiting billions every year, then over Mm -hmm. seven years, they could easily collect a billion, right? Sure, for sure. They actually donated 215 million. 215 million. Mm-hmm. So less than a quarter of what you thought. Yeah. And if you average that out over seven years, which of course it's not exactly that, but if you were to average it out, it's less than $31 million a year. During a pe- period when their profit was $383 billion. Shut up. No, I won't. <laughs> $383 billion with a B. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. So Amazon Smile is just a great PR tool. Uh, Is it a philanthropic driver? Absolutely fucking not. (laughs) Yeah, it's a marketing tool for them. Right. And, you know, they also have some other granting programs. So, like, that's not the total extent of their philanthropy. But it's certainly their most public one. Um, They do a little bit of 
donating to STEM or education or climate, but it is nothing out of scale appropriate for a company of this size. Which then brings us to, again, my very favoritist person in the world. That's amazing. I don't think that'll get old. That's amazing. Um, so we know our, our buddy Jeff, richest man in the world, worth bajillions of dollars. Bajillions, people. And uh, also one of the worst philanthropists I've ever seen. Nia, what? you better watch out. You are going to get some hate mail. Am I telling somebody how to spend their fucking money? You are, and how dare you? How dare I? You leftist socialist, what do you call you? A nut job. Leftist nut job! Socialist nut job. Yep. Mm-hmm. So let, let's talk a little bit about Jeffrey Bezos. Um. For a long time, especially in Silicon Valley, as companies really got established, there was like the social pressure that the founders, the CEOs would then get very involved in philanthropy, right? It's like you have created something amazing. Now you have to give back. Whether they did it for altruistic reasons or just because of social pressure, I don't know. Who but cares? yeah, that, that was kind of the culture. And we certainly see that like Bill Gates big philanthropist we can do a whole episode on him and why maybe he's not the best but like we we have big examples larry page people doing big donations well jeffy my friend um not so good with the philanthropy no so back in 2017 um which predates this podcast otherwise we totally would have covered it he goes out on twitter and he's like who, who should I give my money to? Like, what's going on out there? What's important enough? And of course, everybody's like, give to my tiny nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Look, the South Haven Cats and Dogs Rescue needs your support. And so from that, he came up with a number of giving priorities. One of the biggest was around homelessness. Um, and so he gave to that. And then we might also remember last year when he made the Bezos Earth Fund. Okay. Yep. So he committed $10 billion to fight climate change with the Bezos Earth Fund. Okay. Um, a few important notes on that. Uh, he pledged it. He hasn't actually given it yet. Okay. So he uh, got a ton of great PR for making this pledge for $10 billion, um, which, by the way, his ex-wife has now given in the last 12 months. No problem. Um, but the Bezos Earth Fund has actually given out less than $800 million thus far. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, there are also indicators that it will be set up as an LLC. Okay. So this is curious because we also saw this with Zuckerberg and Chan. Mm-hmm. When Marky and his wife created their philanthropic arm, it was also an LLC. So not needing like the philanthropic tax pieces of it. Right. They wanted to have more flexibility so they could make political contributions, so they could make private investments. Right. And it looks like Be- Bezos is going to do the same. Okay. 
And I say looks like because it actually hasn't been set up structurally yet. Okay, so he's he's dragging his feet on that. Yeah, which, which is kind of what he does, right? Like yeah. that clearly philanthropy is just like not a space he's comfortable in. And so uh, it's kind of like that that thing that you just procrastinate on till like the deadline. But he yeah. has no fucking deadlines. Right. <laughs> so anywho, um, he is – they announced they were hiring a CEO for the Earth Fund. Um, I think that happened in March, so just a few months ago. They have reserved the name Bezos Earth Fund in Washington State. I found okay. that today. I did some deep diving. I hear I, it. Yeah, thank you. Um, but they don't she, actually have the She's the coming structure. for you, Jeff. <laughs> she means business. <laughs> well, and in their discussion of like the new CEO, it definitely sounded like they were just giving that indication that they want to be able to do some private investment, which is more common in the climate change space, right? Like you want to be able to invest in companies that are providing solar, for instance, yeah. Yeah. which a traditional foundation wouldn't allow you to do. So I'm not saying that an LLC in and of itself is necessarily negative, but right. when but. we talk about oversight, guess who has a lot less oversight than a private foundation? Right. And an LLC doesn't have a board, right? No or board. Mm-mm. No board. No board. Uh-uh. No public disclosure like a, a 990. Mm-hmm. So um, I have a feeling his $10 billion is not going to be spent by 2030 as he has said it will. That's so interesting. But yet mm. he's still getting all the accolades for it. Oh, my God. I, he is our savior. He is going to fix <laughs> climate change through his philanthropy. I mean, did he just spend like a billion dollars on a fancy sailboat? Yes. But we don't need to worry about that because he is fixing climate change. And it's a, like a climate change friendly boat, environmentally friendly boat. I'm sure it is. Absolutely. <laughs> it's so that he can go and view the sites where he's fixing climate change. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. So he also has never signed the giving pledge. Okay. Which is really interesting. The fact that he is focusing on climate change when that has been one of the primary critiques of his company, I think is just a real great example of greenwashing. Yeah. Um, I think then the other really interesting thing is his taxes. Okay. Um, okay. So I learned something really new in uh, studying for this. Do you know how wealthy people – like, sorry, how extremely wealthy people, like the top 1% of the 1%, how they avoid paying taxes? I don't. It is all very much a mystery to me. I never really understood it, too. I was just like, eh, tax loopholes. The American tax system is so fucking broken, which it is. But the way they do it, most of them have very little income. Right? He takes like $80,000 annually from Amazon as his salary. So okay. it's not coming from that. So most of his money, most of his wealth is in assets. Sure. Um, Of course, he owns a shit ton of Amazon stock, obviously. Right. That's worth billions of dollars. And then he's got his physical stuff. But in order to use those assets for everyday life, you have to you have to cash them out, which means you liquidate them. Yeah. Right. And then you would normally have to pay capital gains taxes. Right. 
So here, again, I'm like, how, how are they not paying taxes? Well, they don't cash them out. I, I can't. It, <laughs> this just blows my mind, so I have a hard time articulating it. Instead of actually using your assets, cashing out stocks, the ultra-wealthy get loans. What? They live off of fucking loans. They put all their assets up as collateral. But an interest rate on a loan is much smaller than capital gains taxes. That seems ridiculous to me. It is ridiculous. But, I mean, so is spending a billion dollars on a sailboat. So, like, I don't think we live in that world. I know. It's just a totally different world. I can't even fathom it. So they get a loan, they live off the loan, mm-hmm. and then how do they pay the loan back? With their, If they liquidate assets to pay the loan back, do they have to pay capital gains on that? To some extent, but they also get tax write-offs for interest paid on loans. Oh, my goodness. So like well, the average tax rate for Americans is like 14%. Mm-hmm. You're never going to have an interest rate of 14% on the loan. Right. I mean, when you're that wealthy, right? Like, right. average people can. But um, so that they just, and it, you just get loan upon loan because they always have the collateral to put up. What a game. What a fucking game, right? Yes. So I did find um, ProPublica. Side note, I heart ProPublica so hard. Um, ProPublica received these um, tax documents from a number of the ultra wealthy. We're talking Bezos, Buffett, Gates, et cetera. Um, it, it sounds like it was received very uh, clandestine-y. Mm-hmm. Um, but they got them and they did all this analysis. They confirmed that they were all like legit. And then they published all of these reports on it. So um, <laughs> from 2014 to 2018, Jeff Bezos's actual tax rate was 0.98%. Shut up. <laughs> and there are multiple years where he paid absolutely nothing. Yeah. Again, it's just like at a level that I can't even fathom. Right. Right. I don't even know. It it sounds like we are all part of some video game and they've just mastered it. Right. During that period of time, his wealth grew $99 billion, and he paid less than 1% of that in taxes. So he's not paying taxes, so he's not helping society at large through taxes, Mm -hmm. and he's not really giving philanthropically. Right. So. So I would say, like, in the uh, video game of life, he's kind of the villain. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, I I think it's just so interesting to see, like, how these ultra-wealthy get portrayed. They become household names. And they're upheld like like mythology. Like something to uh, aspire to. Yeah. And, like, they're bad people right we've definitely talked on the podcast about like the role of philanthropy versus taxes and how taxes are actually much more democratizing so let's say 
if Jeffrey Bezos actually paid what he should have, so what's 14% of $99 billion, he would have paid in almost $14 billion. Right. I don't know why I didn't get a calculator to do that math. <laughs> that one was an easy one. I'm an idiot. But, like, can you imagine what we could have done in terms of infrastructure with $14 billion? Right. Like, oh, my God. And these are all pre-pandemic numbers. We know Amazon killed it during the pandemic, both literally yeah, and figuratively. They're definitely the pandemic champion. So I'm sure these are so significantly higher today. Yeah. And it is just fucked up. I was listening to another podcast, um, but the uh, it's like UK based. And so the the journalist was saying, like, we don't even have philanthropic numbers on this scale in the UK. So I can't give you a comparison of like Jeffrey Bezos is the sir blah 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 of the uk like we just don't have this wealth or philanthropy over here this is like a uniquely american creation that our shitty tax system has developed it's the american dream it's so fuck i know (laughs) it's so depressing oh so I mean, obviously, there are a lot of implications, I think, for any massive company like this that just keeps getting bigger and more wealthy and the kind of um, lack of competition that it allows for, which means really the lack of product diversity for consumers, which I think we should really be thinking about as well. So um, to folks listening, I'm not saying cut Amazon out of your lives. I think that is just going to be too hard <laughs> yeah um but like think twice shop small business when you can if not that find businesses that are just maybe a little bit better companies yeah and then from there like let's hold these companies accountable i want our senate calling these folks in and breaking them up we have real antitrust concerns that do hurt our our local businesses that do hurt competition we have real climate change concerns that this company is continuing to fuel. And if Congress doesn't hold them accountable, no consumer can. I'm curious what other people think. I want to know. I want to hear from you. Um, now's your chance to rant and, or rave. <laughs> either way, either way, tell yeah. us that we're being ridiculous or that we're not jobs. It's fine. We've embraced it. That is, uh, that's who we are and we love it. Um, but it's our podcast, so we get to say whatever the fuck we want to say. So let's hear from you. <laughs> Start your own podcast and say something different. Um, we want to hear from you. What do you think? What do you think about Amazon Smile? How many board members have contacted you in the last six months about it? Mm-hmm. And it's a, well, good, it, it's a good time to educate. You know, I mean, I think that that's what I'm going to try to do instead of saying, oh, that's such a great idea. Thanks so much is to say that's, you know, I want to say that's a great idea. But do you know the realities of this program that actually is not benefiting our organization at all? Exactly. Well, and I'm hoping with this episode, at the very least, we give people some greater understanding and context of Amazon as a corporation. Yeah. um, And some of the things to be thinking about. 
Um, you know, we, we often talk about how your values play out in fundraising. Maybe this warrants yes. a conversation with your development team. Yes. I know we all have Amazon wish lists, don't we? All yeah. Of our organizations. Absolutely. And they make it easy. But yes, if we're looking to be values aligned, is that really aligned? Yeah. Uh why? Why is it so hard? It's so hard. It's so hard to be good. Um, so how can they reach us? You can email us nonprofitreframe at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at nonprofitreframe. And remember, philanthropy is important. Even if you don't have $99 billion, it's still important to support our local nonprofits. Give and give generously. Thanks, folks. We would like to thank our sponsors. Mission Launch is a Colorado-based nonprofit consulting firm focusing on fundraising and board governance. You can learn more at missionlaunchco.com and Jake Walker Music, who provides our theme music. You can find him at jakewalkermusic.org. Thank you so much.